0: Welcome once again to the GM Shuffle. Man, do we have a lot of stuff to talk about today. Sunday Night Football. Patrick Mahomes with enough time to get things done for the Chiefs as they overcome the Raiders. If Takar looks like he leads them to victory. The Saints, no, it was not Jameis Winston. It's Taysom Hale now, the starting quarterback. They've won seven straight games as they beat the Falcons. And the Cowboys actually show some life as they beat the Vikings. All that more to get to, plus a devastating injury for the game's young players. We begin... With all the Tua hype. That's right. Tank for Tua used to be the motto a year ago. Now it's all about win for Tua, win with Tua. Well, how about this? Tua Tungabailoa gets benched. That's how bad it was against the Denver Broncos. And Fitz Magic has to come in the game, except the magic had evaporated. It's gone. And it had uh, been extinguished, like David Copperfield, an illusion. Justin Simmons intercepts Fitzpatrick's pass in the end zone. 63 seconds left. The Broncos beat the Dolphins 20-13. to Tunga Vailoa gets prevented from being the second rookie in the past 40 years to win his first four starts. He gets sacked a half dozen times, gets knocked out of the game in the fourth quarter as Drew Locke and the Broncos come through. Before we get into all the, what this means, first take a listen to Brian Flores, Mike. This is what are they really saying? He shuts down any doubt that Tua is still going to be a starting quarterback. Explains why he went to Fitzpatrick. Take a listen. Do you leave this game needing to make any wholesale changes at the quarterback
1: position? Do you? know Fitz going to be in line to be a starter or? No changes. No, I mean he played against a, a good defensive group. Um, you know they played it. They, they
2: they they did a good job. I think they ended up with five or six sacks. They pressured us. We know, to try to do something to, to, to create some momentum. That's why we made the switch.
1: And, but yeah, I think he's he's healthy.
2: Tua was eleven of twenty for eighty-three yards. Was this the right move to bench him, Mike? You know, I watched this game because I recommended Miami on on the picks and obviously lost. But, uh, you you know, when you're watching this game, you just felt like Tua couldn't throw the ball. I mean, this was one of those games where Vic Fangio, the defense coordinator, the head coach of the Denver Broncos, had a really good plan. I mean, he had scouted Tua. He knew he wasn't going to throw the ball down the field. Tua had only made one throw over 25 yards in his his previous starts. So he basically condensed the field. And when you're watching this game, you're like, wow, there's like... Like, where are we going to get a play from? If it was, you, like, where are we getting a play? He rushed him inside. He did exactly what you have to do to a six-foot quarterback, make him play small. And look, you know, it was it was clear. I mean, I I, I really respect Brian for making the change that he made because he was never, that game wasn't even going to get close based on what happened. I mean, when you look at the play sheets and when you look at the, when you look at the, uh, drive charts i mean three play out three play out three play punt three play punt you know and, and then they went 14 plays and got a field goal you know and that took them 52 yards to go 14 plays they couldn't make any explosive plays in the game and then when Fitzy came in at least they could defend they could challenge the field a little bit and throw the ball outside the numbers this was a this was a good defensive coordinator attacking a quarterback and here's the challenge Now that this is on tape, people are going to start doing this to Tua, and he's going to have to react to it. Show that he can do it differently, or he's going to have to, or they're going to have to figure something out because all the tricks are over with. He's going to have to execute. People see now what you have to do.
0: And that's why, listen, it's unrealistic that a rookie's going to come and win every single game. I totally get that. But it's one thing to have a bad game and then if your head coach bench you. And I think, I don't know, some guys maybe are more mentally fragile than others. I mean, maybe I give Brian Flores credit because he goes, you know, you know what? Tua can handle it. I can bench him and he still understands, no, you're the starting quarterback, but it wasn't working today. And you're not going to be here coasting a reputation. We're going to try to win. But I wonder, I'm sure there's some guys, Mike, you bench him and all of a sudden they get whispers in their head, a lack of confidence. You're a young quarterback. I, I, I'm just curious how this is going to play out.
2: You know, I mean, Doug, Doug Peterson won't bench Carson Wentz, no matter how bad he plays. And Brian Flores, you know, has no problem just basically because Brian Flores got to stand in front of his team and say, look, this isn't acceptable. And if you're, if I am Chris Greer sitting in my office, watching this tape, I'm a little bit worried. Again, I'm a little bit worried. I'm worried about the unique factor. I think the kid can play quarterback, but I think it's got to be in the right system, in the right scheme And I just don't see wow talent. You know, AD, I don't see wow talent. I don't see a wow arm, and I don't see a wow athletic ability. I don't see a kid that can move around the pocket and has got Kyler Murray's speed or Deshaun Watson's elusiveness. I don't see that. Like, if you said to me, okay, let's talk about all these quarterbacks that, that have come out in the recent years, you know, Lamar Jackson and... And, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, you know, I mean, they they might have had bad games, but this is a little bit more about a bad impact, a, a bad view. And if people continue to make him play and where you can't see that arm strength really driving the ball down the field, that, that's got to concern you. And if I'm Chris Greer, I'm sitting in my office, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about it. Now, you know, you could say, well, we got to move him around the pocket. I mean, he was sacked six times. They rushed, the rush plan against him was outstanding. Now, Miami didn't play well up front, the granite, all that. But, you know, when Drew Locke outplays you in a game, something's wrong.
0: No doubt about that. Drew Locke is not a guy you should be outplaying if you're to a tongue of Aloa. Locke goes 18 to 30, no touchdowns, one pick. He throws for 270 yards. We'll see what happens now for Miami, a team that you feel like is on the rise, making noise in the AFC. But that loss certainly hurts matters more than just a little bit, more than just to his ego. It's a game that you feel like you should win against the Broncos. Elsewhere, in terms of young quarterbacks, Devastating news for Joe Burrow. Many ways you think, oh, this guy's the rookie of the year. He's looked awfully impressive for a bad team in the Bengals. He's their franchise quarterback, but he gets hit high and low by two Washington linemen after throwing a pass. So his left leg bends awkwardly, couldn't put any weight on it. He goes 22-34 for 203 and a touchdown. Afterwards, he tweeted, thanks for all the love. Can't get rid of me that easy. See you next year. So very clearly... He's done. Ryan Finley comes in, three of 10, 30 yards and a touchdown. As Washington wins this game, and uh, Washington's now, they, they beat him 20-9 was the final. But just your immediate thoughts, Mike, just how tough it is to see Burrow go down like that. Gruesome injury.
2: It was horrible. You know, and you just knew, it, you know, look, I mean, we saw him, that was his 32nd sack that he'd taken so far this year. He, we, How many times have we talked about how many hits he was taken? Like if the Bengals, and I kept asking like, when's Zach Taylor going to just try to protect this kid? Like this is the thing that drives me crazy is you have a, a franchise quarterback and no one does anything to really protect the kid. Now I know ACLs are, you know, you can happen at any time, but this kid, Took a beating against the Steelers a week ago. Took an absolute beating against the Steelers. You know they've scored 19 points in the last two weeks. You know when they beat Tennessee, I thought they would. I thought they would take a beating in that game. And they didn't. So I feel badly for Joe, but I really, you know, if I'm Mike Brown and I'm sitting there like, do I have the right offensive coach that understands that this kid has got to be the guy that we protect? I mean, we knew it. I mean, my man, Bill Berman over here, he's like telling me the day before this happens, if they don't protect that kid, he's going to get hurt. And, and it ended up being true. Like, it's seriously, like, when are we going to protect this guy? Like and you could say these are fluke injuries. Yeah, they are fluke, and that happens. But when you don't put protection ahead of everything else, you know, and, and that's what they do. I mean, it's great to get five guys in a route. That's awesome, you know. But their offensive line is the shits, and it, and it played like it yesterday. And of course, against Washington's pass rush, you know that that happened. And so uh, I hope he can recover. I'm sure he will, but they better learn how to protect this guy.
0: Yeah. He's your number one investment. He's your franchise. I would think you have to beef up that offensive line. Nothing's more important than this guy. Keep him healthy. Keep him upright. Zach Taylor here on why Ryan Philly finding reps during the week as a backup quarterback.
2: Well, Ryan's always done a good job preparing himself. And you know, the life as a backup quarterback in this league is you don't get reps on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You got to find a way to simulate your own reps and scout team and off the side during special teams. And Finley's always done a good job of that, you know, and so again, we just we didn't get it done as a team there in the second half.
1: All
0: right, so Finley obviously in the Bengals you know they're in a tough spot. Anyway, this is a lost year. It was just- I
2: mean, remember, remember last year when Finley came in? I mean, they had to go back to Andy Dalton. <laughs> remember they put Finley in, they had to go back to Andy Dalton. I mean, he was in there for for ten passes. He got sacked four times. I mean, this is going to get ugly. I mean, this is going to get ugly next week. I mean, when they play, you know, when they got, you know, they have, who do they have coming in here? They have, uh, they got the Giants. I mean, the Giants are going to run every kind of zone pressure, dog, man pressure. I mean, this is going to get ugly for the Bengals because even though the Giants aren't a great team, I mean, let's face it, they're going to, they're going to have a hard time with this, with Finley, a quarterback, this is, uh, I mean, the Bengals are going to have a top five pick now.
0: Yeah, and speaking of ugly, the fact that Washington wins this game, they're now three and seven. Alex Smith, 36 years old, he leads the go-ahead 55-yard scoring drive, three-yard touchdown pass to Stephen Sims. Washington's now three and seven. They're a half game back of Philadelphia for first place, the NFL's weakest division. At three and seven, you're a half game back of first place. It's just absurd. We're going to talk more about that Eagles-Browns game in a second, and that will dovetail in with Washington and the Giants who you mentioned, I want to get you on Taysom Hill because you have been a fan of this guy, Mike, all along. You said, listen, he gives you different options. He's got versatility. I think he's got what it takes. And going into this game, the thought was Winston was going to be the guy. We were discussing this in GM Shuffle, all right? Winston's going to have three or four games to showcase his talent. Maybe he can parlay this into a contract elsewhere. Maybe he can be the starter if Drew Brees steps down at the end of this season. Instead, Sean Payton goes, I don't care. What you guys think? I'm going with Taysom Hill. And Taysom Hill rushes for two Touchdowns, passes for two hundred thirty-three yards. His first NFL start at quarterback. The Saints beat the Falcons twenty-four to nine for their seventh straight win. I feel like a lot of people would be surprised with this. I feel like you were not because
2: you have been a Taysom Hill fan all along. You know what I was really surprised of AD was that that he was so accurate with the football. I mean, you know, he had only five incomplete passes in the game. You know, and he's averaged now when you add up everything he's done, he's averages 11.4 yards per attempt. I mean, Michael Thomas was their leading receiver. And if you would have told me after the game that Kamara was going to have one, was only going to have one look in the passing game, no receptions, that Kamara was basically going to average three, five a carry and be the fourth leading rusher on the team, I'd say, well, the, the Saints are going to get killed. I thought Kamara would have had to carry everybody. And yet, I mean, Taysom Hill carried. He was the leading rusher on the team. I mean, he was remarkable. He made all the throws he needed to. He got Michael Thomas involved in the offense. He looked sensational. And take your hat off to Sean Payton. A great offensive coach, great game plan. And their defense, I mean, Matt Ryan could not have played any worse. I mean, Matt Ryan was as bad at coming off the bye. Matt Ryan was as bad as I've ever seen him. Eight sacks, you know, couldn't get the ball down the field, settling for field goals. You know, hats off to the Saints. Great, great win by the Saints. And and look, Taysom Hill, you know, he's playing himself into more money. I mean, if he plays like that next week when they go out to Denver, it's going to be interesting to watch him against Denver after we've just seen Tua play against Denver, right? Watch him play what Vic Fangio does for him and how he t- attacks him, you know, because that's the true challenge. I think more than anything, how defensive coordinators, really the good ones, attack the quarterback and obviously Fangio knew what he was doing against Tui. Let's see what he does against Taysom. But Taysom was really good. You, there's, they might have their quarterback of the future. I mean, that's what Sean's been saying all along. And it looked right yesterday.
0: Yeah. Listen, he completed 18 and 23 passes. That's 78%. He didn't throw a pick. As you mentioned, he ran a team high, 51 yards rushing, scrambles, design, read options. I mean, he he can do all those different things that an offensive mind like Sean Payton would like to see. And Matt Ryan, you're right. He was sacked eight times, two picks. He's just an old 35 right now. I mean, he just, he was bad out there. But take a listen to Sean Payton, what he thought of Taysom Hill.
2: Yeah. It's, you know, listen, your first start ever in the NFL, uh, you know, I think he called one formation – Flipped around the wrong way. There was one motion. And then, yeah, all of that kind of calmed down. And, and he got very comfortable with uh, the flow of the game and and uh, did a good job. We did a good job up front, I thought, blocking him. Yeah, so a little bit of growing pains. That's understandable. Yeah, I mean, look, the, you know, I think Sean – one thing about Sean, he had a really good plan for what he wanted to do in the game. And, and I thought the Falcons were playing a little bit better defensively, and and they were up until that point. But, I mean, they really had a good handle on what was happening. Sean, Sean's such a good play caller. He's always ahead of the play count. And, you know, and Hill, I mean, look, Hill executed with brilliance. I mean, he took the game plan and made it work. So they're a dangerous team. I mean, they're a dangerous team moving forward. And, you know, a lot of players were talking about wanting Jameis to be the starting quarterback. And I think Sean proved that he was right to do what he did.
0: And now we move to Andy Dalton, the name you mentioned earlier, the fact that the Bengals had to go to him after just how bad Finley was for the Cincinnati Bengals a year ago. So Andy Dalton's back. He missed two games for the Cowboys. He throws three touchdown passes. Dallas beats Minnesota 31-28, so they stop a four-game losing streak. The Cowboys, they had Don Finucci filling in, Garrett Gilbert. Now Dalton's back, and he plays better. This snaps the Vikings' three-game win streak. And now the Cowboys... In this horrible division, it is a three-way tie for second place behind Philadelphia. This is how bad it is. Cowboys are at 3-7, and very much alive. They're going to be taking on Washington on Thanksgiving. But here's the other big news. Ezekiel Elliott reached his first 100-yard rushing game of the season and actually caught a touchdown pass. Here's Mike McCarthy, his head coach, on Zeke finally getting to 100.
2: Frankly, I, I just look at the way he runs the football, the attempts... I mean, their body blows for any defense. You know, it's necessary for us because it keeps us in a in a run-pass mentality. You know, it's, it's it's fun to throw the football, but at the end of the day, good team football is about having a healthy run game, and you know, the combination of Zig and Tony gives us that. But you know, Zig Zig's, Zig's a warrior. Well, you may be a warrior, Mike, but this is long time coming. Talk about being overdue for a big game. No doubt. I mean, it was, you know, and look, this is the way the Cowboys got to play. They're gonna have to beat people. They're gonna have to outscore people. You know, and, and you gotta give Andy Dalton credit. I mean, you know, he did typically what Andy Dalton does. You know, he put up 200 yards passing through an interception, through three touchdowns. And I thought Pollard was sensational. He had the big 42 yard run in there. And then, you know, when Zeke gives him that gives him that physicality, and I think moving Zach Martin out to right tackle was a smart thing for them to do. They needed to balance. Some of that, the edge of their defense, you can kind of fix the inside. You know, they're, they're 45% on third down, you know, their defense still gave up 430 yards. I mean, they didn't play any good on defense. They just had the ball at the end of the game to win the game, which ultimately was the difference. And you got to give them credit for that. And I think, look, they're right in this goddamn thing. I mean, Philly's not any good, right? Washington's not any good, you know, everybody has liability in the, in the whole division. The New York football giants are not any good. So why not Dallas? Why can't they come back? It isn't like, you know, well, they can't win because they have a backup quarterback. I mean, Wentz is playing worse than any quarterback in football right now. So, you know, and then Alex Smith is, God love him. But I mean, Alex Smith is, is, you know, he's got, he's got his issues and the Redskins have their issues. I mean, why not? You could see that clearly the case. So, uh, you know, I mean, give your give give credit to where Dallas is due. I mean, this is one of those they had to have it done, and they did it.
0: Yeah, Cowboys, I agree with you. Still flickering, the lights are still on, even though it's been a dismal season for the Vikings. Though you talk about a season of expectations, they start terribly, then they rip off a three game win streak, and now you can't beat the Cowboys. So I feel like their chance of the playoffs are now lost.
2: Yeah, I, I kept saying this. Like I thought, how bad must Chicago be on offense? I mean, because the Cowboys, I mean, they run the football effectively on. I didn't think Minnesota up until all their games, I mean, look, I give them credit for what they're doing, but I didn't think Minnesota was playing good on defense all the time. In fact, I thought Chicago would cover that game. You know, I've been so bad at, at, at these picks this year in terms of thinking, and, and I'm as, as Curly once said, you know, I do a lot of thinking and nothing happens. Well, that's what I feel like on these picks is like I keep thinking them through. Like, how could they not have moved the ball on Chicago? Like, Chicago not have moved the ball on them or Detroit moved the ball on them, you know? And then why isn't Green Bay moving the ball on them more. You know, the Green Bay scores 22 points against them. I kept thinking they were going to get, you know, able to do it, but look, the, take take your hat off to the Cowboys. They hung in there. This is what they got. They got to, to beat teams 34 31. Got to keep the game in the 20s, find a way to make a play in the kicking game. I mean, give McCarthy credit. His team played tough, and that's what he's got to do.
0: See what happens here for the Cowboys. Very much alive. Big game coming up on Thanksgiving. When we come back. Big losses by the Packers and Ravens in overtime, plus Patrick Mahomes, a vintage game winning drive on Sunday Night Football. You're listening to the GM Shuffle.
1: All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, driver is a breakthrough in driver technology it's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before black op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So, what you got to do, go check out the PXG Black Ops driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash GM Shuffle and use code GM Shuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash GM Shuffle, code GM Shuffle for free shipping on all equipment. pxg.com slash GM code GM Shuffle.
0: Well, Night Football lived up to the hype, Mike. Uh, Back and forth, an excellent offensive show with the Raiders and the Chiefs. And watching the game, you know, a little over a minute left. Mahomes has the ball. I go, this is too easy. Seven plays, 75 yards. They marched down the field in just over a minute. Kelsey wide open with 28 seconds to go, and as Collinsworth was saying on the broadcast, nobody extends plays like Patrick Mahomes on that game-winning touchdown. You saw Mahomes just go a little bit to his right, not really scrambling, just kind of buying time, and you see a couple of defenders drift in that direction. Then Kelsey, who's the best tight in football, is wide open. It just—it was just too easy. I mean, the Kansas City—they're like, we're not going to lose two games to the Raiders. They've had one calendar loss this year, and that was against the Raiders. Mahomes three or 48 yards. Two go-ahead scoring drives in that fourth quarter. Exciting game back and forth as Kansas City. And here's the big thing here. Mahomes is awesome, but Andy Reid on the road, great winning percentage, and coming off
2: a bye, 19-3. and That, to me, is the epitome of great coaching. No, no doubt. I mean, look, both teams have nine possessions in the game, and they score 35 and 31 points respectively. Look, give credit to the Raiders now. I mean, I thought Gruden dialed a, really called a great game. He's got Aguilar open down the field on the third down in the fourth quarter. That Aguilar drive. Drops. You know that was a tough catch, but he dropped it. If he makes that play there, you know this was a game where if you held serve, if you could get them to punt, you had a chance. The the one that killed. I I recommended the Chiefs and the minus seven and a half. Of course, I lost that too. But when he throws the interception at the end of the half, I, like I, I I knew, like I knew Gruden was like at the end of the first half when he got down there, the Kansas City. You know he got the ball back. He you know Carr had the ball with two oh seven to go. And, you know, he throws a short pass for one yard. They have the two-minute warning. Then he throws another pass, gets a first down. First and 10, he scrambles, it goes out of bounds, stops the clock. Then he comes back, incomplete, stops the clock again. And then he throws another incomplete. And then Kansas City gets the ball back right there on that drive. Kansas City gets the ball back, plus they're going to have the ball to start the half. So they're going to dominate the middle eight you know and i think john if john could have put a couple runs in there to kind of get it going so the clock would have been but andy comes back and then he throws that bad interception which killed the which killed the cover because if he scores a touchdown there right he's going to go into halftime up 21-17 then he's going to get the ball to start the half at 28-17 and then it's really hard for the raiders to ever really catch him But look, give credit to The one thing I would say, when I watch the Raiders, I know this 24 Abrams is supposed to be their great player. It's funny, Pro Football Focus had him as the 93rd out of 96 safety. I mean, he's one of the most over, I don't think he's overrated because I think other than the Raider people, he hits people, but he has these penalties out of bounds. He does dumb things on the field. And he cost them the game yesterday. I mean, he's sitting there, they're playing quarter coverage and he comes flying out of the quarters to go tackle Mahomes and Mahomes throws it to a wide open Kelsey and it cost them the game. I mean, at some point, like these guys get these reputation for being these great players and all that. When the reality of the field is they cost their team games and he's trying to play this physical, tough, macho style. And it just doesn't work. I mean, like they can't, they have to rush him. He's not a cover guy, but I'll tell you, I think this Raider team, I think the way Scruton's calling plays, the way he's got the offense going, the way Carr's playing now, you know, the way he's got Carr operating with Jacobs. He's got Colton Miller back at left tackle, which really helps. I mean, think about this, AD. He's gotten more out of Nelson Aguilar than they ever did in Philadelphia. See, if I'm the GM in Philly and I see Aguilar having a great year in Oakland, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, seriously, (laughs) it drives you crazy. Like, it drives you crazy. Like, Johnny Morton or whoever the receiver coach is in, in Las Vegas is doing a great job. And you're sitting there watching it. Aguilar, And we need receivers. And we just let Aguilar go walk out the door for basically for, for Ugats. And, you know, you're driving yourself crazy. I think the Raiders are going to be a hard team to beat when they make the playoffs because they're going to be able to the the weather if the weather's bad they can they can still run the football. Carr can throw it anywhere on the field. I mean, he can throw it anywhere on the field. I mean, he was sensational last night. I mean, he was as good as you could be. You know, he actually outplayed Mahomes other than Mahomes drive at the end of the game, but you know, and I've never been a big Carr guy, but Carr won me over last night. He won me over last night. He got him in the right play, got him in the things they needed to do and, you know, I don't, you know, the interception at the end of the game, I mean, look, seriously, I, I, that that was a desperation time, so.
0: Yeah, I agree. He was only throwing that pass because he had to, but, but Carr looked, he looked comfortable, right? Like the Chiefs, I know the Chiefs don't have a great defense, but Carr looked just impressive and very poised, I found. I mean, three touchdowns, 275 yards, I mean, generally mistake-free football, and you're right about that Aguilar catch. If he makes that catch, and I know that's a hard catch to make, that's ball game. The Raiders would have pulled off a huge upset. I couldn't believe it. If, if they'd beat the Chiefs twice in a year, That it's they
2: still impressed me in defeat it would have been even more impressive obviously if they'd won the game right yeah no doubt I mean and look they they went toe-to-toe they went toe-to-toe with them they didn't try to play like I thought they were playing the the hurry up I thought that was a mistake you know And, and the and the Raiders and the Raiders basically allowed them to have the ball 32 minutes you know you give Kansas City the ball 32 minutes I mean Carolina gave them the ball 22 minutes and they scored 38 points or whatever I mean like like That was pretty impressive, you know, and truly, you know, what this game was about was what by deferring, Kansas City gained, like I always say this all the time, when you defer, you're basically playing chess with the black pieces to start the game, but eventually by controlling the middle eight, you get the white pieces. And then that's typically, if you have the white pieces, you win. And I think that's ultimately what happened here. And John needed to be able to have, especially in the, in the fourth in the third fourth quarter. He needed to be able to flip it. He needed to be able to flip one of those drives. He only had three drives in the in the in the second half. Three drives in the second half and and he basically he scores two touchdowns on those three drives and he has one big drop. I mean, that's pretty impressive. He went toe to toe with them. I, I think they're going to be look, I don't think they're any good on defense. I think anytime they play physical, I thought Kansas City's offensive line last night is starting to show some really leakness. You know, they don't have Schwartz at right tackle. I think Fisher's hurt at left tackle. He tried to play his way through it, but he wasn't. There was really, Mahomes was moving around quite a bit to make plays. But, you know, he's sensational and he makes them.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's why he's such a stud. I mean, that stat about, you know, first 40 career games NBC put up and it's like he's got the most touchdowns, pass rating, et cetera. There's a reason why he's special, but I'm with you. I thought Carr was awfully impressive, even in defeat. Uh, We go to the Titans and the Ravens. So, this is a tough AFC right now. You got a bunch of teams that were six and three going in. Six teams that are six and three, as a matter of fact, going into play. And two of those teams are not going to make the playoffs. One of those teams that was six and three is the Ravens, and they're now six and four. They've lost two straight games and three of four. They lose the Titans in overtime as Derrick Henry gallops for a 29 yard touchdown. Before we get to the actual game, I want to talk about what happened with John Harbaugh. And, and Mike Vrabel. So the Titans, they have a last-minute team meeting on Baltimore's 50-year-old line. They start taunting the Ravens. So John Harbaugh goes sprinting out to midfield to call out Mike Vrabel's players. And after the game, reports indicated the two coaches refused to shake hands. Let's take a listen to what they said, and we'll see what Mike thinks about it. I, I, went, to, uh, I went
2: to celebrate with uh, with Derek and the team to congratulate him. And then I ran back and, and shook his hand and... Um, Asked what the issue was before the game, and he said uh, there wasn't an issue. So I went to celebrate with my football team. Did he decline to shake hands? No, absolutely not. No, a lot of respect for John. We, we shook hands. But again, I, I, I wanted to sprint down there and, and be excited with the team and then sprinted back to midfield. Uh, after the game, there wasn't an issue. I mean, Coach think was down there celebrating in the end zone. Then he came back around and shook hands. Before the game, it's irrelevant. Vrabel and Harbaugh, what do you think, Mike? Well, I mean, look, you know, there's something broken in Baltimore. Whether they want to admit it or not, they're, they're broken on offense. I wrote about it in the Athletic. You know, Lamar is. I think you have to look at Lamar like a basketball player, and and you've got to be able to have the right pieces around him. To make him excel at the highest level because he can really excel. I think he needs to be under center more. Like I like I complain about Baker Mayfield. I think he needs to have more play action stuff in his off in his arsenal. But I also think he needs big receivers. I think the Holly, I think, and here's why. When you throw the ball, when he throws the ball outside to the left, he averages five point one yards per attempt. When he throws it outside to the right, I think he's at five five. When he throws it in the middle of the field, he's at eight he wants to throw the ball in the middle of the field. He's not an outside-the-numbers the thrower. So if you got him under center, you could start getting some of those outside-the-numbers throws because the defense would be separated. And I think they need to change their run game a little bit. I think what's happened to the Brown, to the Ravens is the same thing that happened to the 49ers when John's brother was there with Greg Roman and that, that that people caught up to what they were doing just strictly out of whether they're in... The pistol or shotgun or whatever they're in, at some point, you know, we always get back to traditional football. Two backs, eye formation. Let's let's pound some people. Their offensive line is a huge liability, AD. I mean, they can't block the up front, the right tackle, they keep benching fluker. They got nobody to play right tackle. They're moving pieces around. Orlando Brown is left tackle. When they have to throw the ball, it's a problem. And you know, their defense without Calais Campbell, without White Williams inside, that that's a real issue. They can't hold up in the run game. And the other guy that I think is concerning for them is Marcus Peters hasn't played well since he signed a contract. I mean, you know, you, you, sometimes as a GM, you sit there and you pay a player, you expect him to p- play at a high level. Forget what the media thinks he's playing at. You gotta he's gotta play at a higher level. And I don't think Peters is doing that. So there's a lot of issues that if you're John Harbaugh, you gotta fix it before you worry about Mike Mike Variable's handshake. You gotta figure you got to get in with your offensive staff and you gotta fix that offensive problem because if they don't do that it's going to be a long long year
0: yeah think about how rare it is to have Lamar Jackson have a big passing game like every week they just go you know what I already know what he's gonna do like when's the last time we saw a 300yard passing game this week he goes 17 to 29 for 186 you know JK Dobbins runs for 70 yards Des Bryant that's right Des Bryant first catches in an NFL game since December 31st of 2017 with the Cowboys he actually had four catches for 28 yards that's what it's like now for Baltimore and, and they're going the wrong direction they're six and four they've lost three or four. You mentioned that D-line. Derrick Henry ran right over them. I mean, he's arguably the best running back in football. 600-yard game of the season. He's over 1,000 yards for the third consecutive year, but the Ravens, they're trending in the wrong direction, and the Titans, meanwhile, they're going the other way. You say, okay, Tannehill's straightened things out. 259, couple touchdowns, one pick. They've got their flaws as well, but I, I, I'm with you. I, if I'm
2: a Ravens fan, I'm very concerned. If I'm a Titans fan, I feel energized. You do. You feel like, okay, we got to go in Indianapolis. We know we, we got to be able to pound the rock and we got to run this thing, give it to him and see what he does. But if you're if you're John Harbaugh and you're sitting at your desk on this Monday morning before Thanksgiving, you're saying to yourself, look, I said this when they drafted Hollywood Brown. I think Hollywood Brown's a great player. I, I don't disagree that he's not a good player. But to me, I thought they should have drafted Keneal Harry. Obviously, that was wrong. They should have drafted DK Metcalf. Or They need big receivers because Lamar needs to throw to a big catch radius. So it's like building a basketball team. You've got to have the right people around the space the field. And I think sometimes if they could get into some 22 personnel like Gruden does, and you force them to go big, and instead of them being able to play with more athletes on the field, now Lamar gets the advantage, and you can throw— I think they need to really take a look at what they're doing offensively and really kind of try to change some of the things. I mean, you can't get by throwing to Mark Andrews all the time. I mean, and Des Bryant comes in off the street and he's your and he's your leading receiver. I mean, Willie Snead always is catching the ball over the middle. He had seven targets for twenty three yards. Who's going to make an explosive play for you? You got to get some explosive plays out of your offense. The longest pass was thirty one yards. You know, you, you've got to be able to do that. And I think that that's their biggest issue. And if you're John Harbaugh, you have to have an honest conversation with yourself, you know, about where are we going. You could say, well, Lamar can't do this. Lamar's a unique player. He's a unique player. He's going to cause you some trouble. It's how you figure out how to utilize him.
0: Yeah. And right now, the Ravens team is in some trouble. Two more games to go here as far as their actual games. And we got a GM shuffle mailbag question in a second. But big game of the week for Fox. Their game of the week was the Colts and the Packers. And again, a wild game back and forth. It goes to overtime. And the Colts' defense comes up big. Listen, early on, it didn't look good. They gave up three touchdown passes, 28 first-half points. They gave up only three second-half points, a game-changing fumble, less than a minute into overtime. They win it 34-31 as Rodrigo, you sunk my blankenship, a 39-yard field goal. And Indianapolis comes through with their defense. Rivers obviously was able to hang in there. He was tough. Listen, one thing about Rivers, you don't deny his toughness. He's limping out there with his injury, trying to just make plays, hand the ball off, whatever he can do, three touchdowns. He throws one pick, throws for 288. But the big one here, Mike, watching it in real time, everybody on social media was just crucifying Matt LaFleur. He decides to pass on fourth and one instead of taking the field goal or perhaps handing it off to Aaron Jones. Take a listen to LaFleur, then I want your thoughts on the play. You know, we could have attempted a really long field goal, but had confidence in the play. And unfortunately... You got to give Indy a lot of credit in that situation. We had Devontae out there and they doubled him and the play was designed to go to him. So in hindsight, yeah, it was not a good call. And, you know, Aaron tried to hold on as long as he could and then try to hit uh, the check down with Jamal. But unfortunately, it didn't work out hindsight's twenty twenty. I get that. But in the moment, Mike, were you saying, hey, this is a stupid play call?
2: Yeah, you know, I was because I think this, I think, you know, you know, you're going to get, especially in that formation, you know, you're going to get Devontae Adams doubled. I mean, they were in 22 personnel. I think they were in, I believe they had two, they only had one receiver on the field. They're going to double his ass. I mean, he wasn't going to get the ball. And they weren't going to bite on the play action. I mean, I, you knew they were going to throw it. They weren't going to try to jam it up inside. So, you know, I think Matt probably would rather have a better call there. I, the, Where I had real issues with them, uh, I mean, you know, they just lost the game in the second half. I mean, they score at the end of the half to go up. And I just think to me... When you're in those parts of games you got to say look fellows we got to get to 35 to win this game you know and you're, you you got you know when you go into halftime and you've got that big lead you got to keep got to keep putting your foot to the pedal and they just got dominated in the second half I mean they really did but then they had then they had this they had this chance to really win the game Right. So they're coming down the field. And this is and this isn't second guess. And this is first guess. And I I thought they did one of the worst jobs ever. They got first and ten to stop the clock at the indie at the indie 15. There's 43 seconds left to go. Okay. And then they go second and 10. And he throws the ball to, he throws the ball to Tanyan for seven yards. Now the clock's running, so he can't spike the ball, right? So now it's third and three with 12 seconds. So we had the ball at second and 10 with 42 seconds to go at the 15. Like we got to take two shots at the end zone here. And then kick the field goal. We can't not do that. We got to get the first. We, we could have got a first down inside the five, but we got to win the game right there. And and they called for the field goal and then they turned the ball over in overtime and it cost them the game. But look, I, I, you know, like I keep saying this, if you don't score in the second half of games, if you don't score in the fourth quarter, I mean, they scored those three points in the fourth quarter. They They were shut out in the second half. They couldn't do anything. And you know it's going to cost them because you can't play. I mean, the the Packers, even Troy Aikman was saying he didn't understand what the Packers were doing on defense. Sometimes you just don't know what the Packers are doing on defense. They just give up too many free plays. So uh, great win for Indy. They finally beat a good team, which I think Green Bay is a good team. And it gives them some confidence. And and you got to give Rivers credit because he did make some really good throws. I think Pittman's going to be a really good player for the Colts and the way they use their backs. The other thing is I think Frank Wright gave them every goddamn chance in the world. I mean, Frank Wright's throwing the ball it, 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 at the end of the game, there, and it almost resulted in a, a pick fumble. You know, remember the ball came out of Rivers' hands. Yeah, I mean, he almost gets that, and then he punts. They give him way too much. Like he, I don't know what he was thinking about. Like he's got to run the ball there. The time is your opponent, not the Packers. You can't give Aaron Rodgers the ball with one fifty nine to go in the game, and and think you're going to come out of this alive. You, you just can't do it. I mean, you you can't do it. I mean, it's just, it's too hard. Yeah, that was a dicey play.
0: I, watching it real time, I was like, yeah, that's that's definitely not a fumble. The pass, the armor's going forward, but you're right. Why even put him in that position? And listen, for Rivers, I mean, that like I said, his toughness, 234 consecutive starts. He ties Eli Manning, 10th longest streak in league history.
2: AD, it was third and 26. If he runs it there, he's not gonna get a first down, right? Yeah. If he runs it there, they make Green Bay's got to use their last time out.
0: Yeah, you're right. That's just, that's just simple math. That's just not using the play clock well. We'll get to Reich and more of him in a second, because now we get to the last game we're going to discuss from the week, and that's the Eagles. They lose to Cleveland. I mean, this is one of the ugliest games I've seen in a while. I cannot believe I was watching this game, but away we were gloomy weather, no miles Garrett. Brown's defense still forces three turnovers, and they sacked Carson Wentz five times. You could almost write the script going in. Let me guess. They're going to run the ball. Yep. Nick Chubb, 20 carries, 114 yards. Uh, Kareem Hunt did a touchdown at one point. Baker Mayfield doesn't do much. All right. He's 12 of 22 for 204, but it doesn't matter because Carson Wentz is going to turn the ball over. I mean, early on, they're running the ball. They're running the ball. Mike, here we go. This is what the Eagles should do, right? Run the ball. Keep going, Doug. Seven straight rushes, and and the Miles Sanders fumbles the ball. All right, here we go. Inside the five, Browns go. They marched in all the way. But the Eagles, a huge defensive stand. The Browns come away with no points. They go for it on fourth down. But inevitably, the next play, Wentz, he throws a pick six. Uh, Taki Taki goes the other way. He threw another pick in the fourth quarter, which I think was worse. I mean, this was a horrible game. And I've been a Carson Wentz defender. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's got a bad offensive line. I think they have zero playmakers. They targeted Fulgham once. Um, you know, that, that At the end, he targeted Jeffrey. That was that interception. They've got to get those guys involved. But he played bad. There's no question about it. Doug Peterson's
2: play calling is poor. But this might have been Carson Wentz, one of the worst games I've seen from him. I couldn't agree more, and I've been a Carson Wentz defender. I mean, the Eagles' offense is broken. They have no identity. You know, they averaged six yards. Going into the game, they were averaging six yards per rush. They were averaging six, four, five per pass. But they were the 31st team in rushing attempts and the third team in passing attempts. So they're just going to do, and then they're turning the ball over at a record rate this year, and it doesn't stop. I mean, what you want to do as a general manager is you want to see if problems get fixed. We're turning the ball over. Can we fix it? You know, we're not being able to stop third down. Can we fix it? We're horrible on third down. Can we fix it? Like you want, that's the job of the coach. The chief figure out officer has got to figure out how to solve those problems. John Harbaugh, he can't sit in his office and hope Greg Roman solves the problem. He's got to go in there and solve the problems. Doug Peterson's calling the plays. I mean, Doug Peterson's calling the plays. hes He's got Boston Scott, five carries, 24 yards. He got Miles Sanders, 16 for 66. He fumbled inside the one. I mean, and you know, the, they have no identity on offense and yet the Brownies do exactly what they do. They're just going to keep running the football. Baker's not really very good. Everybody kind of knows that Baker's not Brett Favre anymore, but Baker's got to play in a run game. I mean, everybody identifies with that. that if, if they, There's no way they're paying Baker $35 million. We all know that. Like if somebody pays Baker Mayfield 35000000 million, you're just going to be heartbroken. But give the Brownies credit now. They know who they are. They know Chubb and Hunt. That's their team. The Eagles, I mean, 22, 21, and one since the Super Bowl. I mean, and their talent level on the team is, is really poor. I mean, at some point, and I recommended this, I rec- another one, this is it. I'm, this is the last time I'm ever not paying attention to my numbers. Every number that I had last week, I had this game should have been, the Browns should have been favored by four in my power rankings. I had this game as Philadelphia. I had 4.37 and I went ahead and took I went ahead and took Philly cuz I thought this was Philly's last stand. I thought because they've got Seattle, Green Bay, New Orleans and Arizona the next 4 weeks, they had to win this game. They had to win this game. And it was a winnable game especially with Miles Garrett not playing. But then you get sacked 5 times. Olivier Vernon comes in, looks like he was the Olivier Vernon from 3 years ago. I mean, this is really, I mean, if you're Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman, the two two decision makers in Philadelphia, you got to look at like, how are we fixing this problem? We've got all these offensive coaches, we've changed what we wanted to do offensively, and yet the results are going from bad to worse. Is it all the players? Here's the question you got to ask, AD. If you won't bench Wentz, then what's the problem? If it's
0: not him, who is it? And to that point, here's Doug Peterson when asked if Wentz could be benched. Doug, is, uh, is Carson Wentz going to start next week? Yes.
2: No no question yeah, about starter. it? Yeah, no questions about it. He's our starter.
0: Listen, at some point you drafted Jalen Hurts. What's he coming in there just for a six-yard rush here and there? Wentz is having a miserable season. You're 3-6-1, for God's sakes. Like you said, you're making Olivier Vernon look like Lawrence Olivier. Like, just go out there. Just try it. Why wouldn't you go to Jalen Hurts at this point? It's not like you can't go back to Wentz.
2: Right? I don't understand why he wouldn't try it. I mean, to me, it's like, if okay, if Wentz is, the really, the, what the reporters should say to Doug is, Doug, if Wentz isn't the problem and you're not going to bench him, then what's the problem on offense? Then how could you be two for 12 on third down this week and you were 0 for 9 on third down last week? Like, what is, if, if it's not Wentz, if Wentz is playing satisfactory to you, then what is the problem with the offense? That's the question you have to ask. Like if it's if it's not like give Flory's credit. Flory said, look, we were not playing well. I'm gonna bench Tua. Now people are like, well, you gotta have more confidence in your quarterback. You weren't watching the game. Like, there was no way Tua was gonna make a play in that game. That that there was no way. In fact, Vic Fangio probably said to himself, shit, god damn it. We got to make sure Fitzy doesn't beat us here. That's the one thing Vic didn't want to have happen. He didn't want to take Tua out of that game. It's the same thing. If you're the defense coordinator of the Browns, you don't want Wentz to come out. You want him to keep playing because the way he's playing, he's giving you a chance to win games. Hell, he had one interception in the end zone that got called back because the kid dropped it. I mean, it's just been a deterioration of, of an offense. I mean, once again, Alshon Jeffrey, what are they paying him? $10 million a year? I mean, two. he had two targets, no catches. I mean, Fulcombe, he had seven catch, seven targets, one catch for eight yards. I mean, the two leading Rogers. That I mean, it's it. the offense is broken. And yet, and yet you're saying it's not the quarterback. Well, then who is it? Yeah.
0: Thank God, by the way, for Dick Rod. You're right. Richard Rogers coming up big. He was the only guy out there looking to make any catches. This brings us to the GM shuffle mailbag. This is from Philip. Is it possible the Colts are going to go after Wentz once the Rivers episode ends? Is it him or is changing to Frank Reich and a good O-line in Indy? What could revive Wentz? What do you think?
2: I think, you know, look, I think. I think Frank likes Wentz. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, he played really well for them. However, that being said, you know, I think that Indy's going to win too many games to get into this quarterback derby, and Indy knows they have to get into the quarterback derby. And so, who will that quarterback be? The, you can't get Wentz from Philly unless you Philly thinks they have another quarterback. I think it's more going to be Sam Darnold is going to be the guy that they go with more than uh, Wentz. I think Darnold will be available because they're going to draft, obviously, Trevor Lawrence. And then whoever other team drafts to the top is going to have someone else available. And that's the market. If you're the Colts GM, that's what you're looking at. You're watching Sam Darnold. You're watching everybody's quarterbacks that are playing because whoever picks one is going to give you one.
0: As always, appreciate your questions. The GM shuffle at gmail.com. You're right. Lawrence is going to go. Justin Fields is going to go to Ohio State. Kyle Trask is generating some heat now to Florida. So there's definitely some quarterbacks and college ranks who are getting some buzz. After the break, we'll give up weekly awards for week 11 and talk. Good Monday Nighter here Rams and Bucks.
1: That's next. Gambling problem, call one 800 gambler or in West Virginia. Visit www1800 gamblernet In New York, call 8778-Hope and or text Hope NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire when 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
0: All right, time now for award season on the Lamb. What do you got going on the
2: Lamb after week 12, Mike? I mean, how do you not send the Lions on the Lamb? I mean, Jesus Christ, they get shut out and lose to a backup quarterback. I mean, P.J. Walker played really well. He throws two interceptions in the end zone or else it's going to be a bigger route. And and, and here you're going down there and you're playing a Carolina Panther team that I think forced, I think they, in the last five weeks, they forced two punts and they shut you out and they shut you out. You know you get you know they shut you out. I mean how is that even possible? You got sacked 5 times by a defensive front that doesn't sack anybody. I mean, it's really bad in Detroit. Now, I know we get them on Thanksgiving Day, so we'll get to watch them, and they'll probably play better than they always do on Thanksgiving Day. But I mean, I think that the, I think that game could have sealed Matt Patricia's fate as a head coach in the National Football League.
0: Just a wretched performance. The Fred Palermo Award best game plan going into the week. By the way, my friend, he's 60 Texas, Can you remind people who Fred Palermo is before you give the award?
2: All right. So I have an uncle named Fred Palermo. He's 93 years old. Got to love him. He's still alive. And he used to, when we would go out, he had this hunting club up in Barstow, and, and he would take us out to get something to eat. And we'd get to a diner, and he'd say, Kid, just order the hamburger. They can't cook everything good here. And it basically is who has the most simple game plan that you can execute? You know, it's like if you go to the French Laundry in and where Gavin Newsom got busted on. If you go up there, they have five things on the menu; they cook them all good. If you go to the if you go to the Garden Parkway Diner, they have a hundred things on the menu; they can't cook them all good. So Fred said, "Just order the burger; you'll be fine." <laughs> so whoever has the best, the cleanest game plan, that's what you do. That's how we got to be the Fred Palermo Award. Uh, I love so, that, and, and it's true; it's really true. You you know, you can't not, not everybody can cook it all good, right? You know. Uh, you know, and so uh, uh, and so that's how we came up with it. I think the best game plan by far was Denver. I think Denver, I think Vic understand how to rush them. I think the offensive line for Miami was a liability, which put a lot of pressure on Tua. I think this, I think when you're playing against little quarterbacks, six foot quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray, if you don't make them play small, if you don't attack them inside the pocket and force them to have to have throw from a confined area where you really have to drive the ball down the field, I think that that's a problem. And I think Vic did a great job. Considering the fact that that when you look at the way Denver played the week ago in Las Vegas, to have this comeback, great win for Denver.
0: Absolutely. it's a great win for Denver. Like I said, props to Vic Fangio. Listen, he made his name as a defensive coordinator with the Bills. He parlays that into a head coaching job. It's always good when you see a D coordinator or an offensive coordinator. Whenever they get the head coaching job, hey, this is what we're paying you for. That's always been our criticism with Nagy. Hey, you're an offensive coordinator turn head coach and your offense stinks. For Fangio, you're a defensive guy. Your defense stepped up. Credit to you and the Broncos. Last award before we talk about the Monday nighter. If you don't know, now you know. What's your main takeaway from this week?
2: I think there's, I think, it, I don't, I'm not saying Tua's a bust, but Justin Herbert's the more talented player. I think it's pretty clear. Justin Herbert's the more talented player. And if you're Chris Greer and you've watched every game of Herbert and you took Tua, you could still win with Tua. But you got to be really honest with yourself and say, I think he's the more talented player. That doesn't mean he's the best player, but just watching those two guys play now four weeks, three weeks, watching Herbert, Herbert's the more talented player.
0: Yeah, somebody was asking me the other day, you know, if you had Herbert, if you had Tua, if you had Burrow. And I said, okay, um, it's a little early, but if you just want like the size, the look, the arm strength, like her, I think Herbert's hampered by the worst quarterback. I think Tua has the best supporting cast around him because his defense is really good. And Burrow, I like a lot too, but again, the Bengals stink. But that's, it's an interesting debate. And uh, between those three quarterbacks, at the very least, like you said, if you go Herbert and Tua, there's a reason why. Herbert has so much upside right now. And we'll see how two bounces back. Listen, are you made of strength? Do you take adversity well? We're gonna find out. Does he take this benching and respond to it? Or does he sulk? We're gonna find out soon. Uh, we've also got more football tonight. Monday night, baby. Rams and the Bucks. Six and three LA, seven and three Tampa. McVay's done a terrific job coaching this team. You got Aaron Donald and Goff going up against Brady and the Bucks. Fun game tonight. What are you looking forward to?
2: You know, I think this is a game the Bucks have to. You know, they get the, next week. They got Kansas City coming. They got to play Kansas City next week. Uh, this is one as as bad as they got embarrassed on national TV last week. Uh, last time they played by New Orleans, they got to come out and play much better. I think the Whitworth injury, Note Bloom will be the left tackle. I think that's significant for the Rams. I think they're they're worried about that. They're going to have to hide around it. I think. Bowls will put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. I, I think Tom will throw the football effectively against them. I think the Bucks win.
0: All right, look forward to that game coming up tonight. And as always, a new episode of the GM Shuffle. Normally it comes out Thursdays because of Thanksgiving this week. We're going to release one on Wednesday morning. So look for that. It should be around Wednesday at noon. There's three games on Thanksgiving, to be honest. The Lions and Cowboys games aren't particularly interesting, but the nightcap is great. Ravens and Steelers look forward to that game because Baltimore now feels like a must-win. God, the way that they're playing, lost two straight and three of their last four. As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, MLombardiNFL, Adnan S. Follow the GM Shuffle on Instagram. And before we close, Mike, yesterday, I know you were doing VEASAN. I was doing Sirius MLB Network Radio. And I just looked at the date, and it just rings true, right? I just see eleven twenty-two, and immediately I think of 11 63 It's a date like there's very few days when you see that date, you think of JFK, who I know we've been talking about a lot on the podcast, but you've been knee-deep in looking at conspiracy theories and JFK's life. Yesterday, another day you think about the reminder of what this country lost when we lost JFK.
2: Yeah, so bad, right? I mean, you know, and then... It just, it, that it's 57 years and it's still kind of, I, I tweeted a picture of it out and said, we, we, we don't have any answers. Of course, people said, yes, we do. I mean, if you really think Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone, then God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. I really do. I mean, God bless you. If you think that he did that, then explain to me why Officer Tibbet got killed. I mean, there's so many things you got to explain to me, how he got back in this country from, my, I mean, there's so many things you can't explain that it's just, it goes on and on. Somebody sent me, you know, Vincent Bugalusi, with a guy from a uh, Helter Skelter. Oh, it's a Bugliosi, you know, yeah. B- yeah. Wrote a book about it. And, and, and I'm like, look, if you read Chaos, which is the book about the Sharon Tate murders, you you have zero, he has zero credibility in that case. Like, I'm not taking what his word is for anything, whether he's an Italian or not. I mean, so, I, I mean, there's a lot of explaining somebody's got to do for me to tell me that, that Oswald was on that sixth floor that could execute that rifle shot and do all those things and there was nobody on the grassy knoll there was none of those Lee Bowers didn't see anybody with a, 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 a over there it's just way too it's like don't tell me i got there's no way i'm sorry i just don't see it
0: I'm with you, especially as I told you, when I was there in Dallas, I had this guy literally explaining it to me so clearly. And he was like, it's it's physically impossible. Like the trajectory of the bullets to come from all these different directions, a lone gunman. The fact that anyone even believed there was a lone gunman theory, the fact people may still believe that is just, it's just absurd. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the GM Shuffle. We will talk to all of you on Wednesday.